Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In book two of his work on anger, particularly in chapters 26 and 27, Seneca is going to examine our tendency to have the wrong objects of our emotion of anger. And I'm using that word objects quite deliberately because we typically think about it in terms of things themselves. So for example, this book is an object. My tie is an object. I and my my body are objects as well. But object can also mean the thing that something is directed towards. And in this case, the towards is anger, right? We feel anger towards a number of different things. And just Just to give you one of his examples, he says, we've thrown away a book because the writing was too small or torn it into pieces because it was a bad copy. So we've got the emotion of anger at the book and we also have the action, throwing it away, tearing it into pieces. We could do all sorts of other things with books as well that could display our anger towards this object. And Seneca says that's really kind of insane if you think it through. And so, you know, he tells us that we get angry with things that can't actually wrong us. They can't do us in urea, right? And this is beyond just hurting us or damaging things for us. This involves a kind of deliberate intention to do so, wanting to insult us, to humiliate us. And a little bit later, he's going to say things that actually lack will, vela non possum, literally those things that are not capable of willing, right, of exercising choice, or which lack any sort of intention, a concilium, plan, deliberation, or anything like that. We shouldn't get angry at those. Those are not good objects for us to get angry because they don't choose to do anything wrong to us. They can harm us, right? So he has the example of a sword or a stone. These things can definitely harm us. As a matter of fact, so can the book. You know, you're reading it. Ooh, I got a paper cut, right? But the book didn't intend to, it didn't choose to give you a paper cut. We're not living in some cartoon where inanimate objects develop eyes and, you know, decide to do things. No, they're inanimate. They don't have the capacity even to move themselves, let alone to decide for themselves. And so he says that it's really stupid, and he uses that word there, stultum, right? To get angry at things that, as he says, don't deserve non meruit, right? Or even feel, sentire. They don't feel our anger. You know, I can take this book and rip it apart if I want to, or do whatever else I'm going to do to display my anger, throw it on the ground. The book doesn't care. The book doesn't feel anything, right? That's basically what it means to be not only inanimate, but but insensate as well. And so in all of these cases where, you know, he's going to give you another great example here. We've ripped up garments because they were displeasing, right? You get your shirt. Now, sometimes they're displeasing because you can't fit into them anymore. You know, you try to get into your stuff from high school or college and you're middle-aged and jamming yourself into the shirt and it doesn't fit. It's not the shirt's fault. (laughs) The shirt remained the same. Your body 
changed over time, right? And we can say the same thing about so many other things. Get mad at our vehicles, our cars, our bikes, uh, pick whatever else you want because they're slowly breaking down and not performing as well as we demand and think that they should. Well, that's our fault. We're the ones who are actually creating our own anger. Now, Seneca does and entertain an interesting objection. So somebody might say, well, we're not really angry at the thing itself. We're actually angry at the maker, the artifacts of the thing, the craftsperson, if you like. And, you know, you could say, well, there's some plausibility to that. And think about, you know, some examples like, so I've got a cup and I'm drinking out of it and suddenly the handle breaks off. I'm like, oh, this damn cup, right? Should be like, that stupid company, Bed Bath & Beyond. I'll never buy anything from them again. Such shoddy products, right? Okay, that would be an example where you are complaining about somebody in the supply chain. It may not be that Bed Bath & Beyond actually made the cup themselves. They bought it from some other company that made it. There might be like 23 steps in the supply chain, but somebody is responsible, right? It's a little bit more direct when we're talking about a book because unless we're talking about the, you might say, material aspects of it, a book is designed to convey information to us. So I could be reading Seneca and I could be like, damn that Seneca, I can't believe he's telling me not to get angry at books. I'm angry at this book right here where Seneca is telling me this and that. Okay, well then you're angry at Seneca. You're not really angry at the book per se, and you probably shouldn't take it out on the book. You should, I don't know, find Seneca's monument or a bust of him and smash it up with a hammer or something like that. But even that is quite foolish, right? So what about the makers? Seneca says, well, I got three things to say to you. The first is most of the time that people are angry with inanimate objects, they're not making this distinction. They're not talking about the maker. They're not saying, you know, I'm, I'm projecting my anger at this book, but it's really Chicago University Press that I'm angry at for making such a waxy cover. I don't like this, right? No, you're just mad at the book. I don't like this. Your tie doesn't tie properly. You're like, damn, this stupid tie. Pick whatever else you want. Our technology is, you know, like that as well. When the Apple phone doesn't work quite as, as we intend it to, you know, an app fails, we get angry at that. We don't say, damn you, Apple Corporation. So we really do focus on the thing rather than the maker. And then he says, you know, another thing you could say, well, maybe the makers could offer reasonable excuses. And it's interesting that excuses is just transliteration. Excusationes, right? Justas, meaning just, uh, not just reasonable, but right, appropriate excuses for their product, you know, and what could those excuses be? Well, you know, one of them might be that things just aren't made as well as they could be given the materials that we have. You know, this one couldn't do better than he did. It wasn't for the purpose of insulting you that he didn't learn better. The other one didn't do what he did with the aim of offending you. And, you know, if you think about our existence where we don't know the makers of 99% of the objects that we're in close contact with, with, this actually makes a lot of sense. Those makers could say, hey, I worked with the materials that I had. I don't even know you, buddy. There's no way I was doing this just to tick you off or anything like that. And then finally, Seneca says, it's crazy. And here's the translation to vent spleen. It's actually bile in the original Latin, but we often say in our English language to vent spleen, meaning to display anger against objects instead of people. So if you're really mad at the book, 
take it out on the author. If you're really mad at the car, I guess go to the dealership or go to the corporation. If you're really upset about the drink that you ordered that wasn't mixed just perfectly, don't get pissed off at the drink, complain to the bartender, right? We could go on and on and on in this way. It's crazy to direct your anger against the wrong objects. Now he expands this a bit going beyond the realm of inanimate objects per se, but carrying forth the same lessons about lacking will, lacking intention, and thereby not wronging us. He talks about animals, right? And he's got an example. Some people think they're being held in contempt when the same horses that obey one rider defy another, as though some things are more submissive to some people deliberately, not as a result of habit or the handler's skill. So you go to somebody's house and they've got a cat and you're a cat person and you're like, here, here, kitty, kitty. And the cat like ignores you. There's nothing like intentional there. The cat's not like, screw that guy. You know, I want to piss him off. No, it's... Just the cat is used to its owner and maybe it's a little shy or you, know, you start scratching the cat. It comes up to you and it rolls over on its belly and you start scratching its belly and you're like, oh, this is so nice. Right. And then suddenly it does the typical thing or it unleashes the claws and grabs you, bites you and starts digging at you with it, its back claws. And you're like, oh, bad cat. It's doing what cats do. You know? <laughs> it's playing with you. You could take it a different way. And so he said, listen, animals don't have the same sort of capacity for willing and deliberation that we humans do. So it, you shouldn't get angry at them any more than you would at a book. And we can go further with this. We can extend this to children to immature human beings, right? Who are still in the process of development. Now, kids are often kind of jerks. We've all been one. I think you can look back on your own memories of what you did and what you suffered and realize that now we're getting to some more intentionality, but Seneca is going to say that it's stupid to become angry with children and at foolish human beings, right? Those who are, as he says, not much more thoughtful than children. And the word that he uses for thoughtful there is prudentia. And he says that they're not distanced from the, they're not greatly distanced from the amount of prudence or practical wisdom that children have, which is practically none. So there are many adult human beings who are quite stupid, insane, foolish themselves. And why are you getting angry at them? They are not much greater than some sort of tool or other inanimate object that you might run across. The last thing that he considers, and this is in chapter 27, is nature and the gods. Now, you know, Seneca does believe that there are gods who effectively run the universe. The Stoics believe that there was, you know, a god, you know, with a capital G, Zeus, who is sort of running the whole show. And then there are the lowercase g gods who are each doing their part to like govern things and make sure that things go right, including the seasons and natural phenomena. You know, and you can think about these. You don't like having the wind blowing in your face or getting wet when it rains or hailstones falling on you or stuff like that. And then a lot of people, he says, who are insane or ignorant of truth, they get angry at the gods. They're like, why did you do this to me? Why are you raining down on me when I I'm dressed up for going out on a date or to a job interview? 
interview. Now everything is going to be ruined. It's your fault, I tell you, right? And so here they're getting angry because of the natural phenomena. And they are unlike with the makers where Seneca says, yeah, most of the time you don't blame the maker. They are blaming the maker. And what they're not realizing is that these natural phenomena, they work in a natural way, the way that they are set up. And there isn't, again, there's no intentionality there to do harm, to hurt us, to screw with us. Instead, it's just setting things up for our benefit. I mean, the rain is coming down and when the rain is on you, you could be like, well, it's too bad I got caught in the rain, but man, this sure is great for like washing all the, the dirt and grime away from this ugly city. It's going to look a little bit nicer now. Or you could be like, well, I'm happy it's raining because the rivers aren't going to run dry and we'll have fish in them and I can go fish or a kayak or do whatever we're going to do. Or wow, it's, it's a good thing that it's raining so that we don't have a drought so we can actually produce vegetables and farm other things. You know, there's different ways of looking at it. He says, none of these things happen with the aim of wronging us. The opposite, none of these things happen save for our well-being. So we have all sorts of animate and inanimate objects that we shouldn't get angry with. In every case, Seneca is going to say, nobody is actually trying to do you wrong. Nobody is trying to screw with you. Nobody is trying to humiliate you. Nobody is trying to damage you deliberately. If it happens, the sword or the stone or the natural phenomenon or the dog barking at you and scaring you or something like that, it's not just to be jerks to you. It's because this is the way the universe works. And so if we don't want to be crazy, we should learn to adapt ourselves to that. And like reasonable people, only think that things are trying to injure us when they really are, when they have the will, when they have the intention, when they have the capacity to do so. And if we follow that out, we will certainly be much less angry than we often are in our lives. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.